Good afternoon. It is an awesome task to bring the Word of God to His church. This will be only the second sermon I've ever delivered, so I ask your patience as I attempt to fill the shoes of our most scholarly pastor while he enjoys some time off. I trust you have benefited, as I have, from the wonderful messages given by our young adults these last three weeks and Lars earlier the, uh, this month. We're certainly a blessed congregation for the Lord to have brought godly men into our company. My prayer is that God will be pleased to use me today as he's used them. There are two reasons why I wanted to address uh, just the, the very last two verses in the book of Jude, chapter of Jude, verses 24 and 5. Um, practically speaking, the Young Adults Bible Study, or the CCKYABS, as we affectionately call it, I spent several weeks discussing uh, verse by verse this letter, and so I am reasonably familiar with its contents. And this passage is often spoken to us as a benediction in our own liturgy. We know these words. They are the very words of God, and therefore we should hide these words in our heart. There is depth and meaning to each part of what we do, and having a clear understanding of just what we are hearing and saying will hopefully add a richness to our experience and grow our faith collectively as we hear these rich promises of God spoken to us week in and week out. Pray with me. Good and gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. May I handle it rightly this day. May the truth of your gospel penetrate hearts, and may you be glorified. All praise is due your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. So reading uh, Jude, verses 24 and 25, which we just heard, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. And there are three things, hopefully briefly, I'd like to consider as we look deeper into what Jude has to say here. Uh, one, that God keeps us from stumbling. Two, God presents us blameless. And three, glory to God. So point one, I'd like to point out from the beginning that Jude is not saying that we won't have challenges or failures or lapses in our sanctification. We do, we will, it is our nature, it is our sinful nature, it is our being prone to every evil and temptation that establishes the requirement of God's work in this area. We read uh, Jude is addressing very serious issues. Uh, he warns the Christians in this church to contend for the faith, to fight for it and defend it. He warns them of ungodly persons who have crept into the church arguing in favor of lawlessness. They were using grace as an excuse to sin, and they flatly rejected the lordship of Christ. This was the worst case of easy believism as has ever been. There were temptations all around. This is why we pray, as Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation. But I don't want to preach Gordy's sermon again. So I'll just trust you heard that last week. But in all the turmoil, Jude is 
offering us a promise to cling to and a truth to lay hold to, a confidence that God who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians saying, it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirits and our hearts as a guarantee. Jesus assures us that God is not in the business of losing his people. God has been pleased through the centuries to mark, to set apart and preserve each and every member of his church. Whether found in the Old Testament or the New, we see that God is always in the business of saving his people fully. Christ taught on the banks of the Sea of Galilee in John 6 that all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. I should lose none of all that he has given to me, but raise it up at the la- on the last day. Christ's words give us hope, but when we speak of modern hope, hope today, we speak of things uh, we wish for but are not sure of, Things like, I hope it doesn't rain. Well, it did. I hope I get that job. I really hope this sermon isn't too long. It's not. Paul wrote to Titus chapter 2, uh, 13. He said, we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul's hope, and indeed the biblical expression of hope, is knowing that our hope of salvation is ground in the concrete person and work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. This is no wishful thinking. This is confidence in God to complete the work he has begun in us. This is Jude's confidence from the beginning. He addresses us in Jude verse 1. He says, To those who have been called, who are loved in God, the Father, and kept, for Jesus Christ. Two, God presents you blameless. Hopefully we've established that God preserves us through his life-giving power, and now we'll consider our blamelessness before him. How is it possible? I've failed, and you have failed, and we've all failed, and failed over and over and over again ad infinitum with our many sins. We've failed over and over. 1 John 1 teaches us very plainly, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. The blamelessness that Jude speaks of is the righteousness of Christ imputed to us through faith. Paul tells us in Romans 3, we're really familiar with a certain part of this passage, but the The last part of what I read is the best part. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ is for all who believe. There is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We are partakers in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. His perfection, his obedience even to death, His blood has washed us. What can wash away my sin? All our working, all our striving, all our works 
are but filthy rags outside of the glorious redemption offered to us through Jesus Christ, who lived and died and rose again that we might be with him on the last day. Whoever comes to Jesus will not be cast out. By his very life and death, we are made to be partakers by grace through faith in this not of ourselves, lest we boast. We are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand. Let us walk in them. This faith we have is not our own doing, lest our very faith be tainted with sin. This faith is the gift of God given to us by his grace. Hebrews 12 tells us to run the race set before us looking to Jesus, the very founder, the very perfecter of our faith. He endured the cross and he endured the shame and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When Isaiah prophesied that by his wounds we are healed, if you were here in Easter or just after, you might remember Tim speaking on that. By his wounds we are healed, we should not misunderstand the meaning of healed. We have a hope, we have a confidence, a promise that our healing is a spiritual one, a promise that no sickness of sin will come between us in the very presence and glory of God Almighty. Christ's blameless life and death and resurrection is now ours. It is ours. We are united to Christ by faith. We will be raised on the last day and presented blameless before him. Glory to God. I told you this wouldn't be very long. Matthew Henry, commenting on Jude 25, he said, Surely the God who can and will do this is worthy to have glory, majesty, dominion, and power ascribed to him, both now and forever. And to this we may well, with the apostle, affix our hearty amen. Webster's simple definition of glory is public praise, honor, and fame. Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, in 1906, when preaching on this passage, said, both now and forever. Well, we will attend to the forever as eternity rolls on. But let us attend to the praise of God now. Now. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power now. Come, brothers and sisters, think of what you owe to him who has kept you to this day and will not let you go. In John chapter 6, Jesus gives the promise of being raised on the last day, not once or twice, but five times. Lay hold to this and give God the glory for the great things he has done, not only abstractly in history in some unrelatable way, but personally. He has done great things for us personally. We praise him for his works in history, and we praise him for his works in us personally. And yet, in John 6, while Jesus he speaks of the majesty and authority of God in saving his people, the gospel writer records a group of listeners who also heard the life-giving promises of God and salvation. And what was their response? If you listen, John 6, verses 65 through 69, 
Jesus speaking says, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And so is your faith in Christ Jesus for your salvation? If not, proper glory cannot escape your lips. Indeed, your call is not to praise, but belief. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Call upon him once granted the gift of faith and repentance. You can trust the Lord himself to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.